This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm up there, It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome to episode 147 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Fuse, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. The Bruins took the ice after a little holiday break up in Ottawa. Uh, I guess I guess the only way the Bruins can lose this year is if they play the, the Senators. Um, so, so we'll touch on that game. And then obviously tonight they just finished up a game in New Jersey. Or, or if they just... Yeah, or if they just play in the province of Ontario in general. Yeah, they, they now... They have more losses in Ontario this season than in Boston. Canada has not been kind to the Bruins this year. Uh, fortunately, Newark, New Jersey has been. Uh, they got their second win in Newark uh, in, the, in the last seven seven days um, against a quality opponent in the Devils. So, uh, Bridget Scott, how was your how was your holiday? And um, you know, just some initial takeaways from the last couple of games. Holiday was good. Uh, between the last podcast you guys did and now, I, I got my power back. I don't have any alarms going off. Uh, fire department not hanging out here, so I totally, I totally called you out too, and then and then I know, get the text I text message through. I said, I said, who's Scott calling at this time of night? And then it turned out it was the fire department. <laughs> yeah, I, did, yeah. I did have your back, Scott. Though I did have your back. I, I, I appreciated that. Um, I didn't have your back. No, it was it was very disappointing to you know hear <laughs> hear a teammate just throw me under the bus like that. You know, uh-huh. thought, thought, thought we had better chemistry, you know, better uh, locker room culture than that. But, <laughs> you know, like, I guess I guess we have to work on that the second half of the season. Yeah, I, we, I, I apologize. We, we determined that I was more of the player's coach and Bridget was more of the, more of the bad cop. <laughs> yeah, but, bad cop. But I, I speak for both of us. We're happy to have you back. Um, good to see your, your smiling face again and uh, good to talk to you guys. Um, but and I guess- Brian, we're, we're happy your Wi-Fi is better in Florida. Yeah, yeah. So I'm down in Florida right now for those listening. And, you know, I was telling these guys before we started recording, I think I'm just going to fly down to Orlando every time we have a podcast after the games. It's better, better Wi Fi and, and all that stuff, better weather. So it's in the budget. So why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in the red on that one, but <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> you can take the uh, skate pod private jet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, JetBlue, JetBlue coach. <laughs> 
All right. So, Brian, we're happy you're you're down in Florida now. My holiday was good. Everything was smooth. No drama. Can you believe that? So, um, so yeah, uh, the Bruins finish up the holiday. Kind of a weird situation with the not being able to travel on the 26th. Um, and we saw that Toronto just took the fine instead of having to travel the day of the game on the 27th. They instead of waiting literally an hour and a half, they were supposed to fly at midnight, which was the first time you could have flown. And they flew out at 10 30 PM and cost them a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. What was that all about for, for those listening who might not know slash myself, like what exactly did the Maple Leafs um, breach? Yeah. So the collective bargaining agreement players, uh, negotiated for three days off around Christmas. So usually it's going to be 24th, 25th, 26th. There, there's sometimes like if the 26th is on a Saturday, Daniel plays. So it shifts up to like 23rd to 25th. But anyways, so players get three days completely off around Christmas. And that means no reporting to team facilities, no practice, no video session and no travel. So Obviously, the NHL is not going to give teams an extra day off to travel. They want to get right back into games and make their money. So games come back the 27th, but teams can't travel on the 26th. So anyone playing the 27th had to travel that day. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, who were playing in St. Louis, decided to just say screw it and flew the night before uh, when the CBA says they're not allowed to. And they end up getting fined a hundred thousand dollars as as an organization. Um, you know, it sounds like players were open to it. I think like they were at the airport already, and were just like, whatever, let's just fly. Um, but you know, no one no one likes to violate. Uh, neither side likes when there's CBA violations. So you know, because that can easily slip into like, oh, now teams are going to start doing stuff you know, the day before when they're supposed to be off. So, yeah. And also their uh, Toronto's head coach got fined $25,000 the same day. So, uh, and that was for something completely different, the demeaning conduct directed at officials. So there's just fines coming to Toronto all day today. Well, you know, I think the, the Maple Leafs, they're, they're hoping for some better fate in the springtime. And I think they're probably just trying to, uh, you know, embrace a bad boy mentality and just, uh, kind of change them a little bit, change the perception of them up there in, in Ontario. Well, it is, it is stupid though. Like it was only an hour and a half difference. Like I, that means this is stupid on like the part of the, like the agreement, I guess, because teams should be able to like get some leeway if they're playing the next day and don't like no player wants to travel the same day. Like no one wants to wake up early and travel the like the same day of the game. I'm sure all of them would have agreed that it was fine to travel the night before, or at least a vast majority of them would have preferred that. Um, Cause then they're taking two flights in the same day. They're flying to Ottawa. They're, pl- they're playing Ottawa. They're flying to New- Newark all in the span of, well, you know, less than 24 hours. So kind of annoying for them to have to deal with this. And so it's a back to back for the Bruins too. Um, not even just coming off the holiday break, but they have to start it with a back-to-back. So they go to Ottawa first, and they start Swayman, which we figured they would have to split up the goaltending in in the back-to-back. So they go with Swayman first, and guys, 
I thought he had a really, really good game, maybe his best of the season so far, especially the first period. He made some really, really good stops, especially on a few breakaway chances. Um, he he kept them in the game in the first period when I thought they could have been down by more. Uh, Bridget, I, I agree with you. I think um, I, I, I think it was a little bit tainted by the outcome, but I thought Swayman was was really, really strong, and and uh, he has been his last couple of games. Um, yeah, I never thought he was bad at any point this year. I just don't think he was uh, as good as we all know he can be. Um, and I think ever since he switched over to those those winter classic old school pads, he's been uh, he's been playing pretty solid. So it was good to see. I love him. those. Those are they look, so they're, they look nice. Maybe he might want to keep them full time. I think I think they're pretty sharp. But uh, you know, I think the guys definitely felt bad they couldn't get that one for him to shoot out. The Bruins keep finding ways to lose and, and shootouts when they get to them. Um, but yeah, I thought he looked great. Scott, what did you think? Yeah, definitely. And it was third straight. Really good start for, um, which is what you needed because basically, like, he got off to that sl- to a slow start this season. His first couple starts, then he gets injured, misses two weeks, and comes back. And when he came back, he was sort of alternating good starts with inconsistent ones, and then he has that, you know, pretty poor game in Arizona, four goals and sixteen shots. And basically, it gets benched for a week. All Mark gets three straight starts after that. And talked about it, how like they're going to need to be able to rely on Swayman. And if it's not a 50-50 split, then, you know, at least 60-40, at least, you know, something closer, even than, than what they've had at times this season. And Swayman's responded since then. Uh, you know, good outing against Columbus, um, beats Winnipeg with, you know, a Vezina Cannon and Connor Hellebuck down in the other net. And then, uh, like, like I said, Tuesday night in Ottawa, he was great. And, you know, obviously so is Cam Talbot for the Senators. And that was just a really good goaltending duel. And Talbot ends up with the upper edge in, in a shootout. But yeah, it was, you know, either Swayman's best or certainly one of his best games of the season and that makes it three in a row for him. And that starts to give you the confidence that the Bruins need to have in him that, you know, okay, we can go to him every other game or, or something close to that um, because they're going to have to, their, their schedule gets pretty busy. Yeah. And, and it was another weird game where like those boards in Ottawa were really active boards and that puck came out off the wall, right to DeBrusque. He misses the shot puck bounces right back to him. So kind of an unlucky bounce for Talbot and the second lucky bounce uh, recently for the Bruins off like a weird play um, with the boards. And I noticed throughout the game that those boards were really active and the puck was coming off them pretty quickly. Um, So that's how the Bruins were able to get back in it with that goal by DeBrusque. It was a nice play by him to finish it and see it and react to it that fast, but kind of, you know, sucks if you're, Talbot and you're just expecting it to go behind the net and you're not thinking it's going to come back out in front like that. He did not see it coming back out. You know, what's interesting is that um, now that I start to think about like the Bruins losses this year, every single loss they've had has kind of had a backstory to it, right? Like uh, the, the Maple Leafs game. Uh, now that wasn't their first loss of the year, but that was the first notable loss up in Toronto that come that came on the, uh, on the heels of the Mitchell Miller news. So the Bruins had that kind of built an excuse. They lost to Vegas back home 
again, the return of Bruce Cassidy. Then you, you lose in uh, against the Coyotes over in Arizona State, kind of a funky, funky arena. You outshot them two and a half to one. You lose that one. Um, and they've lost twice to Ottawa. And, you know, it's just like just – and this most recent one coming off of the heels of a four-day holiday break. So every single loss they've had this year, which isn't many of them, it's just there's kind of a – you can kind of – explain maybe why they lost it because you're obviously not going to win all 82 but um i guess that's good news right like there hasn't just been like first of all they haven't lost back-to-back games once at all this year uh, i don't believe and when they have lost games it's just been few and far between and it's kind of been understandable when they lost um and again they had every reason to to lose to the devil's tonight it's a back-to-back you've had some time off you lot you played a game last night the devils are a good team they want revenge on beating them on home ice last week so um, kind of went off on a little tangent there, but that just kind of came to my mind. But I guess, um, I guess we're going to move to the Jersey game anyway. But a couple of takeaways from that that Ottawa game was Pavel Zaka. The DeBrusque goal that you mentioned, Bridget was was good to see. I really liked his 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 power move, his skating move to the inside of the blue line there. That was that was a strong move, following his shots to the net. And then Pavel Zaka got tied the game two two later, and it was interesting because I guess that was his first goal in like almost twenty games. But he hasn't seemed like a guy that was struggling to me. Like, usually you notice slumps, but he's just kind of been making an impact all along. So I guess that was good to see him score uh, in Ottawa. He obviously got an empty net tonight. But, uh, Scott, do you have any final takeaways from that Ottawa game before we move on to tonight? No, and just on your point of, um, you know, these losses having like some sort of backstory, I would say the last couple have also been games where they've had a ton of chances where they've generated a lot of chances and just hit a hot goalie, you know, Talbot in Ottawa, uh, Carol Vimelka in, in Arizona well, yeah, with 49 whatever, saves. You know, for Talbot. Save. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like 44 for Vimelka. Um, you know, the, the loss to the Kings in a shootout, they had 35 shots. Like they're, they're forcing goalies to me. The loss to Vegas, they had 43 shots. It's like, so they're for the only way teams are beating them is like if the opposing goalie has one of his best games of the season. Well, yeah, there um, was there was a power play at the end of the Ottawa game that the Bruins went a five forward power play and got eight shots on goal, and he stopped yeah. all eight of them. <laughs> it's like that's that's unheard of, and you know a two minute span, and they were all good. Most of them were good chances too, and so you're watching Talbot fight that off, and then eventually the Bruins did score like a only i don't know maybe 15 seconds after the power play ended but he had to make a lot of really insane stops on that power play and just in the game in general the, the bruins looked like they were going to score a few times that that he he made really nice stops but you could say the same thing the other way cuz swayman had to stop a few that were just um breakaways and and other shots that you see going a lot for for guys yeah and you know just to transition to the new jersey game like oddly enough they they bounce back in a game where they don't really generate as much offensively um you know that came out really slow in the first period again you know slow starts have been a little bit of a theme i thought in in the third period they weren't really generating much as they were trying to uh you know break through in a a 1-1 game until they finally get just you know one play from on a goal from Bergeron um, to take the lead and then the Zach empty netter. But, you know, this was, we've seen them do this a bunch this season where 
they don't have their A game, but they just find a way to win. And in this case, it was much more of a grinded out game. They got a great performance from Lena Selmark, um, which I'm sure we're going to dive into more. But, you know, Allmark just doing what he's done all season. And, and at times this season, he's been great where they maybe haven't even needed him to be great because they're scoring so much. Uh, Wednesday night was a night that they need him to be great. Second night of a back-to-back, travel, didn't have their best game, you know, weren't generating a ton of chances. Like, the only way they were going to win that game was if their goaltending was great, and and Allmark was. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it was a national game on TNT, and so the broadcasters, like, obviously they don't follow – the Bruins the whole season the way that we do but they're seeing some of the saves that all Mark was making and they were like that is that was the best save like they were just impressed and surprised and the thing is like we we're used to those performances and him just making saves like that at this point so like Bruins fans are like yeah that's how he is but when when fans from maybe other teams and, and other players that are I mean other uh fan bases that haven't seen the Bruins as much they're watching the way he plays and they're like, wow, okay, that's why the Bruins are off to the start. And that's why everybody's talking about him as a Vesna candidate. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, a guy who had a pretty strong game tonight for the Bruins was Trent Frederick. Uh, he had a fight earlier on. Uh, I want to say it was the second period or maybe the end of the first. I don't think it was the end of the first, actually. But um, And then he went on to uh, give the Bruins a one nothing lead uh, on a telegraphed um, – play by Hampus home to kind of intercept. It, I, I'm curious um, of the, so Frederick has five goals. Uh, I'm sorry, seven goals this year. I, I, I'm curious of his seven goals, how many of his goals came in a game at which he also had a fight in. Cause I feel like he just seems to, when he's, when he feels it over the course of a game, he's engaged in many aspects and he's been engaged all year, but it just, I, I'm curious. Uh, he always seems to, to be really noticeable besides the goal when he scores. Yeah, no, that, that fight was also like the most slow motion fight I've seen. It was just like, it took a while to get going and they both were like gripping each other. And then all of a sudden it was like slow motion and it looked like you're like, oh, well, I think Frederick won that fight at the end. And then you realize that mostly was just punching visor and his hands were just torn up. And I'm like, "Eh, that wasn't maybe, you know, exactly what he was expecting. He goes to the box and he's laughing, but yeah, he ends up coming and scoring after. Yeah. The only thing he could get to was plastic. I'd be punching in slow motion too. If, uh, if I was driving my fist into a plastic helmet. Yeah. He's, he's skating over to the penalty box and he's like laughing and he's looking at his hand. Like, why did I do this? Like, this was not really a fight. Like I hurt myself, even though I punched him more, I hurt myself more. So, um, I mean, he always is down for a fight though. You could tell it was, he fought uh, ball and it was kind of a weird looking fight, but you know, him, him getting on the scoreboard early, uh, in the second period, I believe it was, it's like, it's, you know, it comes at a point where, you know, DeBrusque and Zaka scored the goals for you in Ottawa in a losing effort. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's Frederick who gets you on the board in this game. 
And although Bergeron got the, the tipping goal later in regulation to, to give the Bruins a go-ahead lead, uh, ultimately the game-winning goal, it just speaks to, like, this is why the Bruins are so successful because it's not always David Pasternak and 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 Bergeron and Marshan and McAvoy Lindholm. Like, you know, yeah, they're all doing their thing, but the depth, the depth, the depth that the Bruins have, it's 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 why they're 28-4-3. Yeah, and, and we should mention that Frederick was playing fourth-line center tonight. So, you know, a little bit of a shift for him. Um, Tomas Nosek out with... Yeah, Jim Montgomery said it, it's something minor. He said it was like more maintenance than anything, but they just didn't want him playing second night of a back-to-back. Um, so, you know, so far this season, when a center's been out, it's really only been Krejci, and, and it's, you know, it's been Zaku slides over because it's more of a of a top-six need. Well, now, you know, it's a fourth-liner, and you think back to, okay, out of the gates this season – you know, you had Jack Stanika around as an extra center. So you wonder, okay, like who, who would be the one to go in that spot? If, you know, if Nosek did miss a game, well, it turns out it's Frederick. They're going to bump him over from wing. And I thought he played pretty well, you know, to your point, besides even just the goal, um, he was playing with Felino and Greer. And I thought, you know, they brought some energy on their shifts and kind of stuck to, the same identity that that fourth line has had, you know, pretty much all season, which is they're they're getting into the offensive zone, they're getting in on the forecheck, and you know, just kind of trying to create some some chaos in the offensive zone. By the way, it is it's not like unnatural for him to play center because he was a center, um, and he kind of was in the same situation. If you guys remember all the way back to when he first started with the Bruins out of college, that he was kind of in that Stanika situation where they kept trying him at center. Then they're like, well, we don't have space for you at center, so we'll throw you on the wing. And he had to adapt into the role that he plays now on the wing, but he still can play center. Um, kind of like how Zaka in New Jersey started as a center, then he found more of a role on the wing. And now for the Bruins, he's been playing more on the wing. Um, so these are guys that Zaka and Frederick that can play center. Um and, and have in the past. And so it's, it's kind of one of those things where they haven't needed to use Frederick's versatility in that way recently at all. Um, but when they did, you know, he came through, he, he did fine at center. Um, didn't really notice much of a, a drop off from him there. And with him there, they move Smith up to play with um, Holland Coyle on that third line. I thought Craig Smith put a, put a solid game tonight. Obviously, I mean, not look. It's it's been the story of his season. It hasn't really been the most fruitful for him, but he, uh, you could tell he's fighting through it, battling through it. I mean, um, you get put on waivers, you get sent down to Providence. You're kind of a a cap flexibility um, casualty, I suppose, is the word to describe him right now for the Bruins. Like he's going up and down at different times to kind of make make room when they can. And I still think he's kind of the odd man out if they can get a chance to move him at some point. Um, I know depth is always warranted, but nonetheless, we've talked about it in the past. He's a great locker room guy. He's he has a good resume in the NHL. It just I think I read somewhere. I'm, I'm not sure if it was Fluto or somebody. Um, but there's a there's a sense among among the league that uh, Craig Smith just doesn't fit Montgomery's system, and like the eye test tells us that he's certainly struggling to score, but. To hear that from NHL minds that say he's still an NHL player, but it's just the wrong fit, I think 
is kind of affirmation of what we've seen this year with him. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, like one thing he's always been is a volume is a volume shooter. He'll throw it on net from anywhere. And one thing Montgomery has been stressing is kind of taking the extra second or making an extra pass to get a higher quality chance and not just throw it on net from anywhere. So like when you think about the system and there might be other areas where it's not quite clicking, but like that's one that immediately comes to mind as, you know, something that Craig Smith has done his whole career. Maybe he's now being told, you know, Hey, try to, you know, making a little extra play instead of firing, firing away. And it's like stuff like that can just get into your head because it's like, okay, you want to adapt and you want to play the, the new system and you want to do what, you know, the coach wants, you see it working for other guys. But at the same time, when your whole career, you know, you get the puck anywhere around the net and you fired on net, all of a sudden now you're getting on your stick and you're double clutching. You're thinking twice, you're looking around and next thing you know, you're indecisive and nothing's happening. So, um, you know, I'm not like totally giving up on, on Craig Smith. He's, it's a combination of that. And then he's also, I think just been snake bitten when he has gotten chances. He had a really good one right in front of the net in Ottawa and just didn't quite, you could tell he was trying to lift it over Talbot's glove and didn't quite get all of it. And just sort of flooded right into Talbot's glove. Um, tonight he had a chance where he, it was either like a puck that was blocked down in front or a rebound, but he grabs it and just couldn't quite settle it right away. And I think he had, had Vanacek down for a second. By the time he was able to settle it, Vanacek was was set and back in position. And you could tell, like, then after he shot it, it was saved. He sort of, like, swung his stick at, like, nothing in particular, just just in frustration because you could tell, he, like, he felt like he had a goal on his stick again and just couldn't settle it. So, um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration for him. I, I still think there's a chance he could get going, but it it – keeps dragging on and you know obviously hasn't happened yet yeah it kind of makes you think because there's been a few Bruins that have been able to turn it around after having really stretches where they really struggled like could it be like a Jake DeBrus kind of situation where all of a sudden like you know this person has skill um and however like you said the the system and Smith don't really go hand in hand the way that it, it works with DeBrusque. But there was a point last season where DeBrusque was struggling so much that he, you know, asked for a trade and, and everybody was kind of down on him. And and then he turned it around uh, later in the season. And, and this year he's fine. And then you look at Felino being able to turn things around. You kind of wonder, like, how much time they'll give him and whether or not, like, by the end of the year, somehow something starts clicking again. Because when he first came to Boston, there, there were stretches of last season – as well that were, you know, he looked good. Like he, he didn't, you wouldn't have coming from some of the play that he had in stretches last season. Um, I feel like he's, I mean, it's not like he's old and like, he's not, he, he doesn't have the ability to do it anymore. It's, it's, it's a kind of like a combination of a lot of things, including, you know, new coach, new system, but also not like just on, sometimes just being unlucky also probably being a little down on yourself because they have Greer now and Greer has come in and he's not gotten like as many reps as he had been getting before. So a lot of it's playing into it and he did have 
in the back-to-back, he did have a few good chances. And at this point in time, I, I feel like he's 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 somebody that you're not like, oh, okay, he's a liability in the lineup. Like, no, he can play. It's just whether or not like him and Greer are going to be going back and forth if someone's going to win it over eventually. I mean, Scott mentioned that he's historically a volume shooter. Another thing he historically is is a streaky scorer. But just to add on to everything you guys have already mentioned, I just think the biggest thing that he lacks in his game that Montgomery wants in a forward, especially in this system, is patience. Like Craig Smith doesn't really have – I've described him a lot in the past like an like an energizer bunny. He just kind of goes, goes, goes. Like, you know, those, those, those teeth that just – you wind them up and they chatter. That's kind of how he plays. And I just think, like, he doesn't have the patience to pull up and – and survey, you know, who's trailing the play. And he doesn't really have, he's not the most offensively creative mind. He's just effort and release historically. And so I think when you lack that patience and that vision in a system where like Scott mentioned, Montgomery wants them to not just throw the puck at the net if nobody's there, that they, he wants them to do everything with a purpose. Um, it just hasn't been a match made in heaven. That said, like he could put a couple goals in, start feeling better about himself. And then, and then, you know, here, here you go. I mean, obviously, this is a really difficult time to judge him, right? Because if he didn't have bad luck, he'd have no luck at all. Uh, so it's like everything's going against him right now. So it's kind of a, it's kind of tough to, you don't want to pile on somebody when they're, when nothing's going their way. You kind of think there's someone in the middle. But uh, nonetheless, I thought he had a good effort tonight. And, and that's, that's encouraging to see because it hasn't been easy going for him. Uh, it's going to be tough to, to, like similar to Mike Riley, like it's 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 a shitty situation for these guys, but you know they're being pros about it. Yeah, I want to bring up uh, one line in particular that did not have a good night in New Jersey and and has struggled for a couple games now, and that's the second line. Um, Zaka Krejci Pasternak. Tuesday night in New Jersey when they were on the ice at five on five, Bruins got out attempted seventeen to one. They got outshot 10 to nothing. You know, I mean, like just nothing going. Like they just spent the whole game in their own zone. Couldn't get out. Couldn't do any, couldn't get going on the rush. Had no offensive zone time. And, you know, the night before in Ottawa, they weren't that bad, but they weren't great that game either. I think they, they got outshot five to one um, in Ottawa. So, you know, we, we've talked in the past about how that line at times hasn't really clicked, but then I thought before the break, there were some signs that things were starting to go in the right direction. Um, you know, so I'm not panicking. It's it's two games. You know, we'll see how the next couple games go. But they definitely looked, I think, even more off than they, than they have at times in the past. And, and you know, we've seen – we know Montgomery will change lines. We've seen him move Hall. I think he, even both of these games at, at times he moved Hall up um, and dropped Zaka down. And, you know, I wonder if you'll see that more or if he's going to try something else or, you know, I don't even reunite perfection line drop. Like, obviously we know Montgomery has options. He's used all of them uh, throughout this season, but yeah, that was, uh, this was a tough night for for that line, and you know, to the point where it's like, 
it's a little it's worse than just like a bit of an off night like those numbers i just read that's just like horrendous yeah no those are those are really bad that's actually worse than i would have guessed even though like you said it was clear to see that they weren't having their best game those numbers were those are just really ugly numbers um and the the worst part about that is that's the line that has your best shooter on it. So, you know, if you're, if you're being out attempted at that pace, that means that, you know, you don't, you don't have the puck in the offensive zone on Pasternak's stick and he's not getting the chances that you want to see from him. So, you know, that's the biggest minus to when that line is, is underperforming and not spending a lot of time in the offensive zone because you want to be able to use Pasternak, um, as much as you can um, and not just on the power play also five on five. So, I mean, the, an adjustment could easily be just to go to the perfection line for a game or, or for however long it looks like it's, it's necessary because they do have that flexibility. Um, and it, it, it will take a little bit of rotating the bottom, you know, the middle six, I guess. Um, but it's, it didn't hurt them just because they get, they get scoring from other players. And I guess, I mean, Zaka has an empty net goal, but that has nothing to do with really how things were going for them uh, for the rest of the game. Um, I kind of thought it was funny, too, because someone in the pregame on TNT said they were putting money on Zaka scoring a goal. And I was like, that doesn't seem smart. Um, and then he, I'm like, wow, he, he nailed it right at the end there. It was kind of a cheap one, but uh, he got it. He scored against his old team for the first time. So uh, even though it was really easy empty net goal by the way he got tripped too would that have just been an awarded goal yeah i believe so he put it in anyway yeah. but like when you get it's different than a penalty shot because you don't have a goalie in net, so it just should have been an awarded goal either way but he actually was able to score it too so um i'm sure that felt good for him and yeah. also taylor hall got booed the whole game which was kind of weird um the well, socket well, didn't Fans are obviously going to boo you if you get traded, right? Because it's because that was clearly his decision. Um, I think that. Was I mean, true. we've we've been guilty of that in Boston over the years. So. It's just like the the player that had an MVP season with your team not that long ago, and you're booing him. Well, like, and he was like the key reason that they have one one postseason under the belts in like the last decade. So yeah, I guess yeah. that makes sense to boo. Um, <laughs> for for as far as the second line goes, I think. Uh, you know, their struggles to me start with Krejci. It starts up the middle, uh, especially when you when you consider all of your offense starts in your own zone, right? And I just think that the responsibility lies in the sentiment as a, as a third defenseman down low um, in your own zone to, to catapult that offense and that transition. And I I just feel like, look, we're, we're hitting – we're about to hit the new year, um, you know, two and a half, three months into the season. And, look, Krejci's been good. Um, the points are there. It's so it's something like that. It's not that he's underperforming in that aspect of the game, but I would like to see him pick up his, his, uh, his speed game. And I understand that's not his style. It never has been, but I'm and also it. harder to do at an age where you're, you know, coming up against retirement. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and I, and I get all that. And so I'm not like, I'm not calling for his head. Like don't, don't misconstrue what, what, where I'm going with this, but you just gotta. He's getting pickpocketed a little too much for my for my liking in the in the neutral zone, and I just think he just needs to move the puck quicker. Like if 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 your game isn't speed, which he knows that he's known that for fifteen years, just move it a half a second quicker, half a second quicker. I just feel like sometimes, especially when he plays with passion, act that like they, they, 
they love playing with each other and and their their checkmates and all that good stuff. But they get a little they get a little sauce happy, I think, together. Like they they like to do little the little backhand saucer passes in the neutral zone, and they like to do little alley oop passes up in the air and the indirect passes that are too soft to really just I don't know. It's just it's it's they don't play they don't pass hard enough for my liking. Like be be a little bit crisper. And I know this sounds crazy because. Because Krejci is like one of the best passes we've seen in Boston in like decades, and Pasternak is one of the best players in the world. So it's kind of, it's like it's like I'm being too critical. But it during the stretch where they're struggling, it that's it just kind of seems like they're playing a little too soft together, and that's why for me it's like I don't think Taylor Hall on that line changes that. Like I think I think it starts with Krejci. Like who uh, am I going to sit here and say David Pasternak, one of the best forwards in the world, is the problem? Am I going to say Pavel Zaka is the problem? A guy who's kind of been doing his job this year. No, I think, I think it starts at center ice. That's the most important position on the ice as a forward. And um, I don't, I didn't realize how bad they've been until Scott rounded off those numbers. Um, But yeah, I just think, I think, I think Krejci picking up his, his game a little bit will, will go a long way. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like it definitely starts with him and, you know, we know it took him a while to get back up to speed. And I think, that process is probably still ongoing. Obviously, you know, when I had Taylor Hall on this podcast, he, he sort of acknowledged that. And I think Krejci has too. like, he's said, you know, he knows he can still get better. He obviously wants to get better. Um, you know, but he, to your, a point you made, like he was still putting up points, but now you're getting, you know, a little stretch of a couple games here with, without the points and you, you notice some of those other issues more. And then especially on a night like tonight where it seems to just keep piling up in the D zone where it's one shift after another, where they can't get it out. And to, to your point, some of, you know, and it's not just him, there's four other guys on the ice that, you know, aren't doing enough to get it out. But yeah, there are times where it's on his stick and the play dies. And, and we're just, we're not used to seeing that because usually it's, you know, throughout Craigie's career pucks on a stick, you feel really good about something good coming from that. So, um, you know, like you said, I think it's just quicker decisions and not, you know, not waiting for like the perfect passing lane to open up. Just, just take what's there. Um, trying to think of, there was another point I was going to make and I totally forget what it is. So, well, I have one, <laughs> I have one final point on Krejci just before maybe we talk a little bit about some of the defensemen and then we'll talk to talk about the winter classic a little bit here, but um, oh, actually last... it was, it was to, to back up something Bridget said um, to your point about like Pasternak not getting chances. He had one five on five shot attempt against the devils and zero shots on goal during even strength play. His only shot and goal came on the power play. So yeah, exactly. Like that's not what you want. And, and I think you let them try to work through it, but if that continues, then yeah, I think you have to think about putting Plastinac back up on, on the top line. If for no other reason than to just maximize his opportunities and, you know, and it's not like the top line scoring a ton at five on five either. So um, yeah, I could definitely see, see that move happening. Not, not even because, you know, you don't think Krejci and Pasanak can work through it together, but just, um, you know, you want Pasanak getting chances. So if it's not happening on that second line, then it might have to, you know, be a line change there for, for a game or two. 
Yeah, and it's not something you're concerned about changing, really. So it's like there's not a lot of downside to doing it. So it's an option, and they can they can do it if they need to. Um, my last thought on Krejci, just because we're having the conversation about how you know the second line struggles kind of start with him, um, but like the confidence is still there with him. I think with coaching, like he got moved to the top power play unit when they've been doing the last two games. They've had stretches where they've ha- used that. Um, five forward power play unit and the person that they switch onto it is Krejci um for Lindholm and and he kind of handles things up at the blue line um so like he's he's struggling a little bit but the the confidence still has to be there to put him in that position where you, you think like okay well if you're not putting a defenseman out there on the power play you have to have forwards that can get back on defense that can keep pucks in at the point that can um kind of facilitate things and we know that he's a great passer, so he's they're able to utilize that aspect of his game on the power play. Um, just my final thought on Krejci um, after you know some of the other things he's been involved with this week. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, did you want to transition to uh, your thoughts on the defense, Bridget? Yeah, so actually, just to start, just quickly, there were two, like, injury scares. Um, Like, uh, in Ottawa, Carlo, for a second, it looked like Carlo wasn't good. Um, and then against New Jersey, Grizzly took a shot in like the instep, um, on his foot. And I don't know if it's just more because like it, the injury bug has like stayed away that I'm just like waiting for that, like shoe to drop. But for a second, um, when both of those guys kind of got off the ice slowly, I was a little bit nervous and made me think like, oh, okay, well, these are two guys that have injury history and, um, it, it almost feels like, okay, when's it going to happen again? So that was just the thought that went through my head, both of those games. Yeah. McAvoy actually, um, was the, uh, topic of conversation tonight in New Jersey as well. And as, uh, his hit on Nico Heeshier, which, uh, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't realize, uh, that, that was even an, an issue until I saw some, some chatter online. Uh, I mean, it was, it was pretty clear that Heeshier turn at the last second that's just a you know anybody who watches hockey understands that's what happened so uh no issue there for me i mean you don't want to see somebody get hurt and that sucks but like and they didn't call it a penalty because it wasn't one no i mean no i mean you watch that you watch i mean that's on the player like it's it's irresponsible on he's part it's like you can't you can't put yourself in that position we've talked about it in the past with guys like carlo on the bruins and reggie just mentioned him a few minutes ago with the injury scare but like you have to you have to you have to you have to look out for yourself out there, and you got to put yourself in positions um, to be hit in a manner where you're not going to be paralyzed or you know go into the boards, you know, neck first. Or get, you got to be smarter than that if you're each year. So um, there was and no he was kind of he was also kind of like in a bent position as well, which put his face like closer to the dasher. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely a lot of it had to do and how ugly it looked had to do with the fact that he kind of moved at the last second, um, and then. McAvoy got him again later and they called an interference penalty, but that wasn't like a, that wasn't really anything either. Um, So yeah, um, I guess to further the 
points about the defenseman. McAvoy, over the past two games, had some good hits, but I, I actually thought that he struggled a little bit um, in coverage at times. He was on the ice for one of the goals, I believe, uh, against the Devils. Um, and th- yeah, it was the goal where um, it was actually too many men on the ice for the Devils. Um, and kind of a weird situation. Puck ends up behind McAvoy and Lynn. I think Lindholm might have been on the ice for that as well. Um, Senators, I think I think you mean? That oh, Senators. Like, yes, yeah, sorry. Senators. They're, they blend together yeah. when they're this close together. It's the same colors. That, hey, that's that's a good that's a good. Um, Reference, Bridget, did that puck hit to break it? Like, should that goal have not counted in the Senators game? Was that was that not too many men on the ice? Well, it was too many men on the ice for sure. They they had a I, few views of it. I thought it was, like, within the margin of error because the NHL allows leeway if it's accidental touching of the puck, like, during a change. I but kind of was- thought that was close enough where, like, he's just getting on the ice, the other guy's going off, and it comes up the boards and hits his skate. Like I, I, I felt like that probably could have gone either way because yeah, he was on like a split second before the guy, the other guy came off, but also like he, it's not like he was trying to play the puck. No, but the, the problem for me is what you would argue if you're, you know, the Bruins and or the argument for the too many men would be that they were all right there clumped up and all kind of caught like, in the line of sight. And so the fact that all of them were in like the line of sight and kind of in that little grouping kind of could throw someone off when they have an extra guy out there. Um, They're all right along the boards and that's where the play was. So it was a little bit confusing uh, and with, with the extra guy out there. Well, that was, so, and that was a funky play, but you're right, Bridget, like um, McAvoy was chasing to break it on that goal. And then you fast forward to tonight and the only goal, the Devils scored, uh, Lindholm and McAvoy with a pairing out there. And look, I think that was a good hockey play by the Devils. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get all of the Bruins for that goal against like sometimes, you know, sometimes you just get scored against and, and the other team, you get a tip, you cap to him. Um, you know, he went hard to the net. Uh, Zetterlin had made a, made a strong play behind the net to get away from McAvoy and put it out in front. But you, you know, they were out there against it. Uh, you know, what could, what could he have done better? Like I said, it's, sometimes those plays happen. I, th- I think you, you know, probably take the body a little bit, but um, I'm not going to get yeah, on much of that one, know, right? You could say, like, all right, one of Lindholm or Ulmark, maybe make a more, you know, more aggressively get your stick out there to try to break up that pass. But, I mean, it was also, it was also, it was a great pass. Like, he, he had about five inches to squeeze that through between their two sticks. And, Gets it not only through their sticks, but right onto Isher's tape, like and a great finish too. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. you just get beat. And, and by of... the way, by the way, like the the stats. If we're talking about Lindholm, because you know him being out on the ice for that goal, on the offensive side of things, he's been great. Like his points have just he's just been getting so many points uh, since December seventeenth. He has seven points uh, in a six game stretch so he i mean he's been looking great and he assisted on both the goals um against new jersey including that frederick one where he just had a nice little drop pass kind of set that whole thing up so offensively uh he definitely deserves credit for the way he's been playing over the last six games yeah and, and the last thing i want to highlight on on defense ties into that because a lot of that recent stretch has come playing with brandon carlo 
And, you know, we talked before about how we had some concerns about that pairing. Well, I think they've been a pretty good pairing. Um, they were together for, for one of the, the Bruins goals tonight, uh, where Carlo like gloves down a flip in the neutral zone, gets it up to, I think it was, uh, Marshan maybe anyways. Yeah, it was, it was Marshan yeah, on the board. Yeah. Marshan. And then drops. Yeah. And then he drops it to Lindholm and Lindholm has a shot that Bergeron deflects in. So, and they've been doing that quite a bit. And, and Carlo's been a part of it where you can tell he's just making the simple first read, like whoever's open, he's just getting it up to them. And then Lindholm is free to join the rush. And we've seen him do that all season, pretty much no matter who he's been with. But now he's doing, you know, I think him and Carlo have kind of found some chemistry that allows Lindholm to not be restricted at all offensively. Like we thought at times he was when he was with Carlo earlier. They they seem to be figuring it out, and I think, I think the numbers bear it out. Um, they're now they've been the Bruins' second most common pairing this season, and they're over fifty four percent Corsi. Bruins have outscored their opponents nine to four when they've been on the ice. Uh, expected goals over sixty percent, like really solid numbers, both in terms of actual goals and all the underlying stuff. So, um, you know, it seems like that that pairing is working and and might actually you know be a longer term solution. You know, Scott, go into the analytics always. Hey, here's a here's a fun fun analytics fact. So Brendan Carlo is fourth in the Bruins in plus minus at, at, at plus 17. And Scott, you're shaking your head like you know who might be ahead of him. Do you know who number three is? Uh, I'm going to guess Grizzlick. I got to double check this just because I, I want to make sure I'm not, not looking at penalty minutes here. But <laughs> I think it's Trent Frederick. Oh, Trent- yeah, yeah. Trent Frederick's five on five differential is absurd this season. Yeah. He's plus 18. Yeah. He's he's only behind Bergeron, Lindholm, and that's it. And then it's Fred, and then it's Frederick, and then it's Carlo. Wow, that's that's didn't expect that. Good for him. Um, but yeah, no, Carlo's been he's been really good. Uh, like like you like you, you talked about. We we had conversations about reluctancy. I think I was probably more guilty than you two about that. But uh, you know, hand up, hand up. Carlo Carlo has been playing really really well, especially kind of since that that time. You know. Uh, he he was he was revving back up. Don't forget he had that early season concussion, and he has a history of that. And we've talked about about him in the past, but he's been great. Um, so, uh, and, and he's been very very he's been noticeable physically. He's 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 separating guys from pucks, and uh, he's using his size, and uh, that's great to see from Carlo. And uh, Lindholm has been a beneficiary of that too. I think some power play time has been helping him with the points too. So, uh, Ryan, are you getting attacked by a pack of coyotes? <laughs> no, 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 just a couple of hyenas. I told them to quiet down. I told them we were recording, and they said, "Yeah, all right, no problem." And then there's these jackals are just these, whatever. It's what it is. Brian, Brian's recording with actual Florida Panthers. <laughs> what is that? I, I, I figured, I figured Animal Kingdom was a good spot to record. So <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the hyena pen. It's all good. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on mute until until uh, until I feed them some dinner. I'm gonna throw them some raw meat over the balcony here. You guys take over. 
All right. So um, I guess it's a good place to turn over to a little bit of a winter classic preview because um, we're coming up against the new year here. We're not sure exactly what our recording schedule is going to be, especially because Scott and I will be so busy um, covering the winter classic. Um, the Bruins have a game Saturday, um, New Year's Eve against Buffalo. Um and then their next game is the Winter Classic on January 2nd, which is Monday. Uh, I guess to start, um, you know, the matchup is supposed to be at 2 p.m. against Pittsburgh. Um, and weather is looking a little bit weird, not very wintry, not very, you know, January in Boston weather. It's going to be um, at, at least actually good news is it looks like the temperature has gone down slightly, but originally it was over 50 degrees was the expected um, temperature for game time for uh, the winter classic at Fenway. And uh, last I checked it's in the high forties. That's probably better. Um, but I think that the, the system they have to cool the ice is probably, um, you know, the technology is good enough where I think that might actually like mid forties would probably be fine and would be a, I mean, if you're a fan, ideal, you know, not having to sit around in 30 degree weather or below, you know, below freezing weather and just enjoy a game at Fenway. Um, so it should be fine. And also rain is uh, going to be in the forecast the two days before, but it looks like a all sun in the forecast for that game um, on January 2nd for the Winter Classic. Well, I think they'll hope that it's an overcast day. Uh, as As we learned in Tahoe, you don't, you don't want all sun. Um, but the difference is that Tahoe, there was not, you well, know, yeah, it was the, not in a stadium. It was yeah. outside and there was no like anything on either side to block the sun. It was just the lake and the the scenery and they had to wait for the sun to get behind the mountain. Well, the sun's really low in the sky this time of year in Boston and Fenway Park has high walls. Everybody knows that. Um, so hopefully there will be shade coming from the walls, um, if, even if the sun is you know there's no overcast there's no clouds in the sky um i think that there's a good chance it's it's fine at this point i was more concerned earlier um like a few days ago when i saw that it was supposed to be like mid 50s um but the forecast has changed uh if it is if it stays the way it is now i think that's probably good um and then we'll get that the game going right as scheduled at 2 p.m. But uh, uh, there's a just chance to, it just could to have prepare to wait. people. I think uh, puck drop's going to be more like 2:30. So yeah, oh yeah, because if, it's a, if you're tuning in, don't expect the game to start right at two. And by the way, they get all sorts of music and uh, like they have what the black keys or uh, yeah. Um, I'm I, I like the black keys. Um, so what's funny was Scott, are you singing? Are you singing the national anthem? Am Scott, I yeah. singing the national anthem? Yeah, I thought I heard that something. That was, was, that, was that not true? No, no, no. I'll check my sources on that. I'm doing a, I'm doing a take me out to the ball game later. <laughs> Play ball. Um, but no, it, I think like it, what to expect for some of the other like logistics around it. Yes, the game's probably going to start later, and people were complaining about that. You know, when there's these national games, I think it's on TNT, right? Yes. Um, and so if you're looking for it, it'll be on TNT. Uh, but they have music. And I remember when they were at Gillette, people were, it was so cold that one. People were booing the musicians in the intermissions because they just wanted hockey to get back on. And so they could go home and not freeze. So I think that the atmosphere should be a little bit more forgiving for 
um, the performers. Uh, fans shouldn't be so agitated, but that that game, what was it? Minnesota-St. Louis, that one was so cold, I don't even know how anyone performed. So, I mean, it, in terms of weather, if it's mid-40s and sunny, that's good news for everyone. Yeah, and uh, I think it's Belbiv DeVoe actually doing the national anthem, so you get your, your Boston flavor there. Um, they announced today Bobby Orr, Johnny Busick on hand for uh, the ceremonial, I don't know if it's puck drop or an opening pitch or some <laughs> yeah, sort of combination of both, pitch. but Jason Veritek and Tim Wakefield are involved as well. So put them in net. They're going to, they're going to throw a puck into a goalie's glove from the pitch. <laughs> a little hybrid there. Uh, you got any rumblings on what the Bruins uh, attire theme might be walking in. We know they've done Peaky Blinders and they've gone 80s at Tahoe and, they have to get up for those types of things. It's got to be yeah, something we... more classic, right? It can't be like the funny, silly, like eight, like eighties theme. Like Fenway feels like it's like old timey. So like, I don't know. I feel like it might be more like that. Yeah. We, we know they're doing something. So my McAvoy was actually asked about it during the uh, TNT pregame. He was their pregame interview and they were trying to get like some sort of clue out of him. And he just said, he said something along the lines of like, it'll, it'll fit the event or something like that. So that kind of got me thinking like, I don't know, maybe, maybe baseball uniforms, something like that. Not really sure. Or, you know, because it's Fenway, it could be like very old school theme. Was it Um, St. Louis that did the, the beach attire that they rolled up off the bus dressed like they were going to the beach and it was like 10 degrees out. I don't remember that, but I, I know what you're I talking about. I forget what team it was. It may have been yeah. St. Louis. It may have been, yeah. Although that wouldn't be too smart. They're gonna catch pneumonia before puck drop, but um, yeah. Um, but no, I think the Winter Classic's gonna be awesome. Um, they, they've they've rendered out the, uh, the the model of what it's gonna look like. It looks really cool. Um, what do you what do you what do you, you smoking about? <laughs> you guys, I hear a cop car in the background, and like. <laughs> Florida is being Florida right now. <laughs> hey, Florida, not like the rest of us, right? Um, but yeah, so if I if I were going to the Winter Classic though this year, which uh, I'm not because I'm at the Orlando Zoo right now, um, I would probably do. Um, I I I'd, I'd park my ass at Game On around 10 a.m., maybe even 9:30 if they let you in early enough. I'd get a nice nice stack of nachos. Um, you know, a couple of waters, obviously. And uh, I'm well, sure Brian, I'll, I'll stop you right there because I'm pretty sure. Uh, WEI's sponsor is um, take was it Mar- what is Time it? Out Market? Time Out we'll Market. We'll be live there, uh, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So that's Fresh. where you that's where you should get your food. Yeah, which first off, I'm not even saying this because they're a sponsor, but Time Out Market rocks. Like that that's where awesome. I took my I took my dad and my grandpa when I brought them to a game at Fenway for the Red Sox this summer. I I stopped there. I was like, they're gonna they're one of them's a picky eater. I'm like, he'll find something here. There's so many yeah. things. So yeah, we're we're gonna have a broadcast there. If I mean live from there, so people can also just stop by and you know watch the broadcast for a little bit if they want to. We have Ray Croft on. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be Gresh, Razor, Milberry, and then I am also stopping by at some point. I think. Around 1 p.m., but uh, I don't know. Are you going to be on, Mike? Yes. Where's my invite? I'm going to show up and grab that (laughs) mic from you. Healthy scratch. Yeah, so like I was saying. Bridget got to be on the air yesterday. I was on the air yesterday, but but still, I was going to show up, and I will sit down in someone's seat. 
All right. So I guess I guess let me let me backtrack. So if I were if I were going, I you know, 10 a.m. I'd park my ass at uh Tide Market. Whatever is that what it's called? Time market. Time out market. There we go. Um it'll be a good time wherever you guys decide to go, whoever's going to the game, dress warm, have fun. Oh, and I think the Stanley Cup's going to be there, and I've just been trying to figure out where it's going to be because I want to touch the Stanley Cup. So I have never done that before, and I will sniff it out. I will try to find it. I know they're having, like, a village, like, the way that they did last time at Gillette. Like, they're ha- setting up, like, a Winter Classic village kind of where I know the, the Cup's supposed to be there for people to see. I'm not sure if take pictures with um, and they haven't, we keep getting email updates of different things for like the media, but that's not been one that I've seen. So, um, I will find it. Um, one last note I wanted to say before, before, uh, we, we, we go, it's just, I'm just looking at the standings and, um, it's notable because this is the first time it feels like since the first week of the season where the Bruins are caught up in games played with everybody else. So if you want to like kind of compare them to the other, you know, better teams in the league. Now's a good time to check it out because uh, Boston, Carolina, Toronto, Jersey, Pittsburgh, all 35 games played, um, Washington, 37. Uh, and, you know, so the Bruins are seven points clear of the, of Carolina in second place and, and nine points clear of Toronto. Um, so it's just, it's just insane to think that they're at 59 points, potentially 61 uh, after their Buffalo game. They could be at 61 points before – before 2023 is just it that's completely insane that like who would have thought that it's 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 bananas yeah and the one thing that like keeps jumping out at me every time i look at the standings too is goal differential where you see the bruins at now plus 57 and second best in the league is toronto at plus 30 like that their goal differential is almost double any other team it's it is it's crazy yeah and and just to like also, just looking at where, where Pittsburgh is, because that's who the Bruins playing and are playing in the Winter Classic. They're in eighth place, which is, you know, not bad. They're their third team in the Metro right now. Um, and the Bruins are 15 points ahead of them right now in the, um, in the standing. So uh, they're just they're ahead of of most teams. Uh, they're, the closest is Carolina still, but they're still ahead of. Carolina by seven so it's like they've been able to put a little bit of separation uh, because especially with going back to what we talked about before you know they, their losses in the shootout well those losses still come with points um and some of those games it felt like they they really fought for that extra point even though maybe they didn't deserve it but they're taking points away from most games and that's why they've just stayed at the top I don't know I don't remember the last date guys that they weren't in first place it's been that long that it's like I'd have to go back and check when the last time was that they weren't the top team. I mean, they 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 got off to a what seven and one start. I mean, I would imagine they've probably been there since just about day one. Yeah, like, like if at all, it would, it would have been. I think it is since day one because it would have been that Ottawa loss, but I don't think anyone was ever actually ahead of them though. They, they might have been tied at one point. Mm. Um. Which is insane. That's just yeah. insane. I wonder what the uh, I wonder what the the over under is for goals for the classic. Because I if if you're betting if you're a gambler out there, I, I would I would probably tell you to take the over. I'm not sure what it is, but I anticipate some goals in this game between these two teams. Um, well, think about the last game they played against each other. Was yeah. uh, what was it? A 
the Bruins were down like losing by four and then they came back and, and one ended up being like a, was it six, seven, five, seven, six, I think. Yeah. It was, it was just an incredibly high scoring game. Now. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of an anomaly defensively for the Bruins. Right. But that, yeah. But- and goaltending, there's a weird situation with goaltending where Swayman was in and I mean, Allmark was in and Swayman was in and Swayman got hurt. Then Allmark came back in. Um, so yeah, it was a weird one, but I, yeah. I get your point for the, for the take the over. And just to take a look at the Penguins, like it's been impressive the turnaround they've had since then. Because I remember thinking, like at that time, that was a team big because they just lost five straight before that game. And then I was like, oh, okay, but they're bouncing back against the Bruins. And then they choked that away. And I was like, man, like that team might be done. Like, how do you recover from that? But they have, and they've they've actually closed gained a lot of ground on New Jersey. Um, now I know the Penguins just blew another game. Uh, tonight, as we're recording, and end up losing to Detroit in overtime. I think they they were winning led... four to nothing. Yeah, they were winning four nothing and blew it, lost in overtime. But prior to that, I think they were like seven one and two in their last ten. Um, New Jersey's been going the opposite way; they're two seven and one their last ten. Um, so Pittsburgh has closed a lot of ground and very much looks like a playoff team. Uh, you know, Wednesday night's blowing lead aside. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a good game for the NHL. That's you know they probably couldn't have asked for for a much better matchup. Um, knock on wood, you know all the stars are, are healthy right now. Everyone's yeah, got one more. The, the commercial they were running with like Swayman and Crosby. Yeah, which I was like, I, I get the premise of the commercial, but I, like I'm wondering when they recorded that. You know, like. Do they wish they had Allmark in it instead now? Yeah. But, I almost thought they recorded it like I, it almost looked like they weren't even in the same room together. I don't think they were. So that's why I'm like, I think they just picked two likable people. Like, okay, people like yeah. Swayman. Well, Swayman, Swayman was also the Bruins rep at Player Day in uh, Player Media Day before the season, so they definitely anticipated him being like one of the young star goaltenders this year. Not, yeah. Obviously, he's played bad, but I don't think the league anticipated Allmark being the number one. Yeah, but, and obviously, it's going to be. I would assume like 90% chance Allmark is in net for that game. Yeah, it seems to line up that way. They'll go go to Swayman Saturday against Buffalo, which we haven't even talked about that. There is actually one game between now and the Winter Classic. And, yeah, Matt and, and a on, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and it's a game that I, that I think should actually be pretty interesting because Buffalo can score. Buffalo yeah. leads the league in offense. They're the only team Tage ahead of Thompson. the they, Yeah, Tage Thompson is incredible. He's nasty. Um, and they played Tice Thompson tonight, his younger yeah. brother. So Tage went to UConn and was there when I was in school, and Tice played for PC up until recently. And he just got – what. He hasn't played many games in the NHL, but he played against the Bruins today. Yeah. And so Buffalo's still still not great defensively. So um Bruins should be able to score. That you know, they've uh their offense has, has slowed down a little bit, so that might be a good game to to get back on track and, and score some goals. And you might have to because Buffalo can can put some up and they're definitely gonna, you know, we think it'll be swaying they'll definitely test them. Yeah. Yeah, Scott, that game it's going to be a weird day for us. It's going to be a crazy day cuz Scott and I are going to go to the garden to cover the game, but I'm bringing like we're bringing hockey skates and like I'm bringing a winter jacket because right after the game they're busing us over to to skate at Fenway. Uh weather better hold out cuz it says rain right now, but I will skate if they let me in in a monsoon. Uh because you can't really pass down that opportunity, but I got my skates sharpened today. Uh and I'm ready to go. As did I. Yeah, I'm 
We need we need the weather to hold out for sure. We're gonna take a nice skate pod picture, and I'm gonna make Scott be in a picture with me because he always he he really hates the camera. He does not want to take pictures with me. He does not like when I take pictures and videos of him eating popcorn. Well, I was gonna say ninety nine like percent it. of the pictures you take of me is when my mouth my face is stuffed with popcorn. They're not the <laughs> don't most always be stuffing your face with popcorn, and maybe I wouldn't get so many. <laughs> Scott, don't worry about it. I only made it the the, the background on my phone. It's no big deal. <laughs> but maybe you guys, you can, maybe you can uh, you can crop me into that one, Bridget. Okay, yeah, we'll Photoshop you in. We'll get we'll get a stand in, and uh, put your face on there. Yeah, just don't use the just don't use the the nosebleed nosebleed picture. Okay. <laughs> oh, I am. We'll keep that one offline. All right. Um, <laughs> and then what? <laughs> And also one more note on the uh, on the Penguins. I'm just looking at this. Crosby and Malkin. So Crosby 43 points in 35 games. Malkin 33 points in 35 games. So a bounce back year for Malkin, who has had injury issues. And so like just to you know acknowledge that they're still doing their thing at their at their ages. Um, you know, so Gensel and Malkin are both in uh, at 33 points. The Bruins second score is Bergeron, I think, with like 29 or something like that. So. Uh, Pittsburgh's top guys, they can score. They have six guys with 20 or more points. So the Bruins will have to be, uh, be on the game defensively because Pittsburgh obviously is capable. Uh, hopefully uh, hopefully John, John Henry's boys fall short. But um, nonetheless, I think it'll be a great day at the park. I hope you guys have fun. Uh, Bridget's, Bridget's laughing over there, so I don't know what the hell she just did. but <laughs> I sent you something. <laughs> okay, all right. uh, it's, probably, it's, probably, it's probably at Scott's expense or my expense. Which one? Both. Probably. Okay. It's a beautiful Photoshop picture. <laughs> okay. Uh, maybe we can post that on the on the Twitter account. Do you guys have anything else before uh, before we go here? Nah, I think I'm all good. All right, good. Because there's, there's some more hyenas coming after right now. So I'm about <laughs> to log off here. So thank you all for listening. Um, enjoy your New Year's. Happy, uh, be safe out there. Enjoy the Winter Classic. And we will talk to you all uh, next week. Mm-hmm.